0: We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio.
1: Day into which we must delve We're gonna talk about
0: The stuff that makes you scream and shout Hit the red alert We're going War Factor 12 Thanks for pressing play Hi, hello, it's issue 583 of Geek in of the City Radio. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Duran.
2: I'm one of your other hosts, Beanarita.
3: And I'm your other other host, Cable
0: Hashitani. And we have got our guests, uh Elin and Gregory, here hello. for another installment of Building Character.
4: Yay! Hi. Hey. Thanks Ooh. for having us back.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, it's good times. <laughs> I'm kind of amazed we took. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I thought we did the Paladin earlier, but apparently not.
1: Mm-hmm. I thought we did too, but it's. I don't know. It's probably one of those like Berenstein, Berenstein.
0: That's
2: right. <laughs> I was say, look, guys, you don't have to make up a reason to be here. We'll we'll find other things <laughs> for you to talk about.
1: And yeah, that's true. But yeah, if yeah. we did
2: the Paladin, we did the Paladin. It's okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but we, we, haven't. Haven't. we <laughs> haven't.
2: We haven't.
1: done the Paladin. Um, or the Bard. Big, big feels about the Paladin, so Wait. I would remember.
0: <laughs> we didn't do Bard either? Yes, we did. No. no,
4: we haven't done Bards or Paladins. Have we just I've, talked I'm, about I'm Bards? sure
2: that we haven't done the Bard. We have... Um, Am I
0: just confusing a game night where we were figuring out what character, what kind of Bard someone wanted to play?
1: So I feel Probably. like... We mentioned a character in another building, character, and went, "Oh, you know what? Actually, they would be a bard." We'll touch on that, but we like talked about it for a moment, and then went, "Okay, back to what we're doing. Focus." All right. Yeah. So there you
0: go. That was a really long intro. (laughs) How's how's everyone doing? Yeah. Tuesday. Hanging in. Um, Yeah, it's Tuesday. Everyone get the good news about who Ted Wheeler actually pepper sprayed? Because that's going to be some Freud there. Uh, no. A, a
2: yeah. lawyer, right? A lawyer who comes from money is, Not is what I... Not
0: just comes from money. He is the heir of the Alpenrose dairy empire. Oh, no. Yes. You don't spe- mess
2: with the Alpenrose family. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I no. assume. Dairy farmers. Just like you, you don't fuck with anybody who, who deals with cows any capacity remember when oprah tried to face down the beef folk that didn't end well for her she had to do a retraction
0: that's true uh, <laughs> sam retraction. elliot shamed voice shamed her <laughs> yeah. um mm. yeah but apparently this guy is also um yeah he specializes in you know the kind of lawsuit you would come to him for if you were pepper sprayed to the face by someone with a high profile and quote he is a specialist in quote what did he personal what was like? injury? Oh. No, he specializes in something like creative resolutions.
1: That sounds like bullshit. I am
2: actually, you know, what that sounds is like modern day um, mob terminology for <laughs> yeah. kneecapping somebody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> which like I would person- also be okay with. I'm not saying someone should do it. I'm not saying I would do it. I am admitting to no or not encouraging any crimes to happen. I'm just saying if someone wanted to kneecap Ted Wheeler or or did so, I'd be okay with that.
4: (laughs) So, so, you know, there there may be just a little asterisk in the chant of fuck Ted Wheeler. Asterisk in the knee, specifically.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's still just going to be two white dudes going at it, but I can at least enjoy it a little bit. It'll be a little fun. Mm -hmm.
1: That's the best kind of fight, is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> two, going
4: it. two white experience. guys fighting is the worst kind of fight. It's so
0: cringy watching two white guys fight. Mm-hmm.
3: Because you have no one to cheer for.
0: Right. I was going to say, it's, more like, it's like Godzilla King of Monsters when the guy says, let them fight. But it's not. It's Alien versus Predator. Mm-hmm. No matter who wins, we
1: lose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's real true. Wow. Present wow. <laughs> company uh. included, Greg. you you're all right. What's that? <laughs> it said present company excluded. You're all right.
4: Oh yeah, no, I, <laughs> it's okay. I'm,
3: I'm... I I think that uh, white folk that get it uh, are never offended by that. <laughs> they they always know that we mean white people in a very like trademark copyright sense.
0: <laughs> As in, yes. what like, is it, the, what is it? W royal.
2: Y. P-E-P-O white or people. Y-T, white folks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. yep. But you all, I mean, like, don't you also, like, give the cursory, sorry, babe, uh, whenever you're talking about white people around Merrick? Mm, no. Because <laughs> I, know, I know Aaron and I do that. Uh, Ida, do you do that?
1: Definitely. I mean, I just did on air.
2: <laughs> right, right, right. That did happen. Um, we don't... They know that we don't mean it about them. We know we don't mean it about them. It's just this, like... It's a confirmation. Per- of- it's just a perfunctory thing you do, I thought.
4: And it's, it's I,
3: really... I do that with other people, but we don't do that at home.
2: You, you guys have...
1: have you're yeah. well-established of that.
3: Okay. Oh, yeah.
2: They've, they've transcended apologies.
3: I'm also half-cracker, so... <laughs> I am technically a rice cracker. That is oh. that is my personal.
1: That took me right back to high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> I'm bummed that it's snow today, but it's probably going to be fine out there tomorrow. I
3: know. As long as it doesn't freeze.
1: Yeah. Ooh. yeah. this is. It'll just be frozen. Mm-hmm.
2: Super. Oh yeah. At least I don't have to work early in the morning when it's like still super like slick and dangerous out there. Yeah. I actually don't know if Dolores can handle that <laughs> kind of thing. Oh yeah.
0: Um. I don't know. Dolores was consign- significantly smaller than our electric vehicle when we had one. Because they do have some Very weight, tiny. and it's like all at their base. Like it's all on the and the the drivetrain area. So mm. that actually kind of helps. So like all your weight mm. is just pushing down on one spot instead of it being up at the engine or you know mm. what I mean? That actually could help right. you out. Yeah. Uh, but you know it does. Drain um, the I mean hell and out of the battery. nothing.
2: Yeah, luckily I don't have to go to work. I don't have to go far to go to work. And worst yeah. case scenario I can always borrow the lunchbox. But I was I was looking forward to potentially my first snow day at my new job. <laughs>
0: been like two months
4: working from home well you know i uh i heard from uh some of my students that their uh their teachers were talking about hey if it snows tomorrow we might be able to call a snow snow day which i think is really awesome and really good and and should definitely definitely be (laughs) advocated for like I can't imagine a bunch of kids remote learning like looking out their own bedroom window (laughs) to see the snow and and have some teacher be like no no you have to stay in front of your screen you can't go out and play in the snow right
2: that would just i'd like to think that we've developed a little bit uh, beyond that at this point in time like right now at least like we can start to appreciate those little things a little bit more easily
4: yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. We'll see where the evening takes us. You know, it it might snow in earnest tonight.
2: That's true.
0: <laughs> I was really trying to think of an Ernest P. Warhol joke, and it just my brain's just not <laughs> firing away. Uh, if I'd have been quick enough, I'd have been like, "Where do you think it's going to snow in Vern?" But uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I it's been a it's <laughs> rough day for this one here. So
2: yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: So what else are we doing? So we got building character, and then we're going to talk about Division. Right, right. WandaVision.
2: Yes, WandaVision.
4: Uh,
0: loving it.
3: <laughs> just so uh, everybody knows, I think there's an error going on with the chat box, so if we don't hear from anyone for a while, that's why.
2: Yeah, well, I just thought nobody loved ass. us.
0: No, there's something's been happening with YouTube a little bit, so...
2: Well, no, it's a good thing I made it a point to share the link on all of the platforms already. <laughs> Which, by well, the way, is a thing I rarely remember to do. Well, so, I'm glad that's you my did fault. This it's, that's what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but to what end? If, if anything, the fact that I almost never do it and I did it this time and now it's not working <clears throat> is how you know that I am a jinx.
0: Okay. Um, I, I don't did think before, that's anyway, how that works. Before mm-hmm. we dive into stuff, I do want to talk about really quickly a movie i like it's one of those like same date release as all, all movies are right now it's right. not getting very good reviews but i think some of you might like it it's called shadow in the cloud
4: i heard about this um, Oh goddamn
0: it i just found out max landis co-wrote it well it's too late i already watched it but he only co-wrote it i guess uh. but directed by Rosalind uh leong so that's a little bit better yeah, Chloe Grace, Chloe Grace uh, Moretz. She basically plays like a World War II pilot trainee uh, or like mechanic trainee. And she's tasked with like getting this item across the ocean in a B-17, uh, you know, flying fortress. And all the guys are like, we don't want you. We're just taking the item. And she's like, "You ha- I have to go with you, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, it ends up her fighting like demons and gremlins from a B-17, while also fighting off, like, Germans and shit. And it is bonkers as hell, and I kind of loved it. Um, Dang. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous, but great, so. I forget why Why don't we like Max Landis again?
3: I know there's a reason, because I have a visceral reaction every time I hear his name.
0: Yeah, he, he has done some pretty nasty things. Okay. Yeah, and he has for a while. Yeah, Hi. Um,
2: very very well.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to go into a, a lot of it now. It's sure. It's bad.
2: But I guess the better question then is, well, do you support this movie or not?
0: Well, clearly I did. I didn't even. Re- I, I've actually realized I've seen a few movies that they are like are trying to bury that he was involved one way or another, kind mm. of thing. So, yeah.
3: Anyway. You see John Lines kid? Is yeah, that right? Okay. That
0: also gives him a lot of protection. Mm. That's stupid. Yeah. He's, he's Hollywood royalty, basically, that gets away with a lot of shit. Oh,
2: so, you know, the usual.
0: That's the usual, yeah. worse. Yeah.
2: Well, anyway.
0: I mean, if his dad can get away with killing people, he can get away with stuff, too, I guess. ooh
1: <laughs> Hey, yeah.
0: well you don't know that and let's keep moving. We should do that. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Twilight Zone. Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh well let's uh let's jump into some paladin talk, yeah?
4: Okay. All right, let's do it. Sounds good. Oh. <clears throat> All right. Paladins. These pious protectors portray the paragon of performance to their pantheon, pushing themselves past the point of personal peril to persecute the profane that would plague their patron's prosperity. Proud practitioners of a pontificial oath, paladins are primarily perceived by the populace as pretentious pilgrims, probably because plenty pontificate upon their pulpits. Adventuring parties see this prattle as a fair price to pay per diem, procuring a paladin's powers to pursue the party's purpose by providing powerful and punishing pain to any punk or persona non grata who cross their path.
1: Perfection. (laughs) Well done. Fantastic.
3: That was pleasing.
1: (laughs) All right. So paladins, they're the uh, shock troopers of D&D. They're (laughs) heavily armored frontline fighters that can deliver massive amounts of damage to single targets uh, using their divine smite ability. Uh, They have uh, a limited access to magic and healing so they can be very versatile. Um, However, it's their powerful oath that they take that sets them apart from the others. Uh, We'll be taking a look at how these oaths define the different paladins in the player's handbook and in Xanathar's guide.
4: All right. So the basics of the class uh, first. So paladins are warriors called the Righteousness. As such, they are melee fighters, and it's worth having your strength score high to land those blows with your sword. Your magical abilities are governed by your charisma, so the higher that score is, the better chance you'll have casting your spells effectively. A strong constitution means more hit points, which gives you more staying power in combat. Um, a paladin starts at level one with uh, ten hit points, and gains a d10 every level thereafter. Uh, they're proficient with all armor and shields, so rely on those rather than a high dexterity to keep you from being hit. Uh, they're proficient with all simple and martial weapons, so you can use basically any weapon you come across. And uh, you also get to add your proficiency bonus to your wisdom and charisma saving throws, which will give you an edge resisting conditions such as fear and stun, as well as aiding you against becoming possessed.
1: Yeah. Uh, The first abilities that uh, all the paladins get across the board is Divine Sense. Uh, And that allows a paladin to know the location of any celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet of you. And that lasts till the end of your next turn. Um, It's a sonar for sin, the beacon for blasphemy. uh, And it it should be described in a unique way. Uh, Maybe you smell the brimstone of a fiend or uh, you can see the corrupted aura of the undead. Um, you can also use this ability to tell if any area that you're in has been consecrated or desecrated. Uh, and you gain this feature a number of times equal to one plus your charisma modifier. Um, and then you regain all of those expended uses when you finish a long rest. Um, at first level, you also gain uh, the ability lay on hands. And uh, that feature uh, is, your your blessed touch heals the wounded um you gain a pool of healing power that replenishes uh with a long rest uh the pool begins pretty small it's only five hit points to start but it grows quickly um multiplying by five for each paladin level you take Um, and then as an action you can touch a creature and draw power from that pool to restore that number of hit points um, to that creature up to the maximum amount remaining in your pool uh, so you can use five hit points from the pool to cure the target of one disease or neutralize one poison. Um, oh, and uh, if you know that the target has been affected by two different poisons, uh, you can get rid of them both if you have enough uh, hit points in your pool to, to neutralize them all in one go. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Um, at second level, you're able to choose a fighting style, uh, much like warriors or fighters, uh, the choices available to you in the player's handbook are defense, which gets you a plus one bonus to your armor class when you wear any sort of armor dueling intended for someone wielding a weapon in just one hand. Uh, it adds a plus two damage w- when that weapon hits uh, great weapon fighting, which lets you reroll ones and twos when you wield a versatile or two handed weapon and protection, which lets you use your reaction to impose disadvantage on attack rolls aimed at, uh, at players other than yourself, provided you are wielding a shield or within five feet of the target, uh, and you can see the creature making the attack. Uh, you are also able to cast spells at second level. You can choose a number of spells equal to your charisma modifier plus half your paladin level. Each time you finish a long rest, you can change some or all of your prepared spells by sitting in prayer and meditation, at least one minute per spell level of each spell on your list. Now, you only start with two spells at first level, at, at this level, and uh, you gain them slowly as you progress. Paladins can have little a spell casting as a treat. Most uh, of Paladin's spells are protective buffs, debuffs, or augmentations to the other ability they get at level two.
1: Here comes the fine. Divine Smite. I love this. Uh, This unique ability allows the paladin to convert a spell slot into just raw radiant damage. Uh, After you hit a creature with a melee weapon attack, um, you can cause that hit to be a Divine Smite by uh, burning a spell slot. And that'll add 2d8 radiant damage for a first level spell. And then each spell level higher then adds another 1d8, um, caps out at uh, 6d8. Um, if the target is undead or a fiend, uh, that will also increase the damage by another 1d8. So yeah. that can stack really beautifully.
4: Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it can. this is a huge spike in damage. And what's yeah. awesome is you get to declare it after you make the attack. So you can roll a crit and then be like, mm, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to make it a divine smite and just... Pack on the, the damage. Uh, at Wait, third you, level, get
3: to, you get to yeah. declare that after? Yes. Hit?
4: Yes. Yes. The Divine Smite oh. happens after the roll.
3: That feels like um, a breaking of the rule of bonuses don't stack. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I don't I, think I knew that. Neat.
4: Yeah. <laughs> uh, at third level, you take your sacred oath, a powerful promise you swear that binds you as a paladin forever. We'll talk about this in a moment, but uh, there's another ability that I believe is often overshadowed by the oath that deserves some attention. And that's called divine health. A paladin at level three becomes immune to disease. All disease. Uh, The divine magic that flows through you, uh, Causes this immunity, and so it's very useful if you have a story that takes you into a fetid swamp, a <clears throat> sewer system, or a plague town.
1: Ooh, DMs, maybe now's not really the time for a, a plague town in your story.
4: Just... Good point, Ida. Um, so, uh, you, had, you, you had something you wanted to say, Cable? Because we're going to get back to Paladin's
1: Oaths now.
3: Nope, I'm good. Go.
4: No? Okay.
1: Yeah. If you a right.
3: thought of let's not with the plague, I it, it, I think it depends on you have to read the table. Like, there are some groups that, uh, like at Guardian, if you read the right customers, some customers are the perfect people to sell pandemic to during this time period. That's <laughs> a
4: very good yeah. point.
3: Yeah. And a, and a very small few you sell pandemic outbreak to which is where you play the disease and it's competitive.
4: Yeah.
1: You're trying to destroy the world. That's <laughs> fun. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. So that's a, that is a very good point. Always read yeah. your table and and read the, read the room in fact. Read the room. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a in a minute. Um so, uh back to the Paladin zone. Okay. So, this should be a big deal. Um and I'd encourage anyone playing a Paladin to think of the oath as a touchstone or a guide that influences the choices you make. Um, Each oath is unique, but we're going to go over them in broad strokes. Uh, They are the Oath of Ancients, the Oath of Devotion, the Oath of Vengeance, and those are all found in the Player's Handbook, as well as the Oath of Conquest and the Oath of Redemption found in Xanathar's Guide. Uh, Along with the tenets you are beholden to you gain a channel divinity ability with two options. Uh, uh, These recharge once used after a short or long rest. So uh, taking this oath also gives you access to spells outside of the paladin spell list uh, that you gain as you advance in levels. So let's, let's get in. Let's dive into these oaths. The first one is the Oath of Ancients. Sometimes referred to as green knights, horned knights, or fey knights, Uh, the paladin of this order seek to preserve life and light in the world. Many adorn their armor with images of growing things like leaves or antlers or flowers. The oath is said to be as old as the race of the elves and the rituals of Druids. This oath emphasizes the principles of good over any concerns of law or chaos. Their oath has a focus on hope and being a beacon of light, protecting it, as well as promoting beauty, life, and joy are the bedrock of the tenets that they have. Um, As a Oath of Ancients Paladin, you gain spells that are fey-like or nature-based, such as Misty Steps, Speak with Animals, and Ensnaring Strike. Your channeled divinity features are called Nature's Wrath and Turn the Faithless. Nature's Wrath allows you to snare a creature with spectral vines. Uh, Turn the Faithless can turn fey creatures and fiends, uh, just like a turn undead makes uh, undead creatures uh, flee from you. Uh, And an additional point with that is, if the creature's true forms are concealed by an illusion or shape-changing or some other effect, this action reveals their true form. I think is a, a cool uh, addition. Um, as you advance down this path, you gain an aura that gives you and nearby creature's resistance against spells. You stop aging and can, uh, can no longer be magically aged. Uh, and you can eventually assume the form of an ancient force of nature, uh, which regenerates hit points, cast paladin spells as bonus actions, and causes uh nearby enemies to be weakened against warding against your spell casting the next oath is the oath of devotion uh this binds a paladin to the loftiest ideals of justice virtue and order sometimes called cavaliers white knights
1: or huge pain Uh, in the ass
4: (laughs) 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 these paladins uh Meet the ideal of the knight in shining armor. They hold themselves to the highest standard of conduct, and some, for better or worse, hold the rest of the world to the same standards. Many who swear this oath are devoted to gods of law and order. Many see angels, who they consider the perfect servants of good, as their ideal and incorporate angelic uh, iconography, uh, such as wings or halos.
1: under eyes um, within wheels. Mm -hmm. Sure,
4: (laughs) you can go that route, Uh, into their armor and equipment. Um, The Oath of Devotion is traditionally steeped in chivalry and lawfulness, uh, holding yourself to the highest standards of honesty, compassion, courage, honor, and duty. But that Camelotian concept doesn't need to be the only way you play a paladin of devotion. Uh, The spells you gain from following this oath are focused on protection, abjuration, and removing negative conditions. Uh, The channel divinity powers are sacred weapon and turn the unholy. Sacred weapon allows you to turn a weapon magical for a minute, uh, emitting light and dealing extra damage. Uh, Turn the unholy targets fiends and undead creatures, forcing them to flee from you for a minute. At higher levels, you gain a ward that extends out from you, and prevents anyone, uh, a magical ward, not like you get a, you know, page or something. Uh, You get a a magical ward that extends out from you and prevents anyone within it from being charmed. Uh, You eventually are permanently under the effect of a protection from evil and good spell, and your capstone ability is called Holy Nimbus, which allows you to emanate an aura of sunlight. Uh, And whenever an enemy starts its turn in the bright light, they take radiant damage, Um, You also gain advantage on saving throws against spells cast by fiends or the undead. Um, The next oath uh, we're going over is the last one that is in the player's handbook, the Oath of Vengeance. Uh, The Oath of Vengeance is a solemn commitment to punish those who have committed a grievous sin when evil forces slaughter helpless villagers When an entire people turns against the will of the gods, when a dragon rampages through the countryside, these paladins arise to set right what has gone wrong. Sometimes called Avengers or Dark Knights, their own purity is not as important as justice. (laughs) Yeah, so the tenets of vengeance vary paladin to paladin, uh, because each one is, you know, claiming vengeance on a different specific thing or for a specific uh, purpose, but they all revolve around punishing wrongdoers by any means necessary, even willing to sacrifice their own righteousness to met out justice. So, you know, real fun at parties. (laughs) Uh, The oath of vengeance is predictably very punishment focused and has kind of a feverish drive, concepts like focusing solely on your sworn foe showing no mercy to them and using any means necessary to exterminate your foe is the drive behind this oath uh the oath spells uh a vengeance paladin gains are focused around targeting and pursuing a single creature in battle so the ranger spell hunter's mark uh the spells hold person and bane are all available at lower levels um the channel the divinity powers that a vengeance paladin has access to are abjure enemy and vow of enmity. Abjure enemy frightens a creature and makes their movement speed zero, locking them down. And that's not like just fiends or undead or fey; it's just any creature. Fiends and undead. Have disadvantage against avoiding this ability. However, uh, even if the creature succeeds, their speed is halved, allowing the paladin to close the gap upon their foe. And uh, the vow of enmity is a bonus action that gives you advantage on your attack rolls against a single creature. As the vengeance pally progresses, they gain mobility, allowing them to move half their speed when a creature hits. Uh, is hit with their opportunity attack, as well as extra attacks against the creature they've used their vow of enmity on. Um, you eventually gain the form of an angelic avenger, growing wings that let you fly and creating a menacing aura that frightens enemies and makes them easier to hit. So that's Genius. that's the the first three options. Yeah, the, the vengeance paladin is... Uh, is a popular one for people that you know want to be want to be the 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 lone you know warriors the 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 dark knights uh, the the sigma males, if you will. Oh, <laughs> but don't be like that. Oh. Try not to. Um, all right, moving on. I just um,
0: discovered that term, and I'm already sick of it. I know, mm-hmm.
4: me too. Me too. Uh, But um, we're going to go now to the Oath of Conquest, uh, which is found in Xanathar's Guide. Uh, You thought vengeance was dark? This oath calls to paladins who seek glory in battle and the subjugation of their enemies. It's not enough to establish order. They must crush the forces of chaos, sometimes called ironmongers. Some of these paladins even go so far as to consort with the powers of the Nine Hells, seeing value in their adherence to absolute law. They are not well liked by other paladins. Uh, and the Oath of Conquest is harsh. I mean, Conquest <laughs> is in the title. Uh, this oath looks to not only crush your enemy on the battlefield, but their very will to fight. Uh, tenets of this oath include... Phrases like, douse the flames of hope and rule with an iron fist. If you're looking to create a would-be warlord, this might be the oath for you, but make sure this is the sort of character that will fit in with the rest of the party. Read the room. (laughs) The spells that become available to the Conquest Paladin are all about soaking damage, dealing damage, and controlling the battlefield. Uh, The channel divinity ability options are called Conquering Presence and Guided Strike. Conquering Presence targets all creatures you view within 30 feet, forcing them to make a save or become frightened of you. And Guided Strike lets you hit with supernatural accuracy. You get a plus 10 bonus on your roll. Uh, Going forward, you gain an aura of menace that frightens your enemies and drops their speed to zero, as well as dealing psychic damage to those within your aura. Creatures that manage to attack you eventually take psychic damage for doing so, and you become an invincible conqueror at level 20, able to resist all damage, attack additional times, and you score critical hits on the roll of a 19 and a 20. Hmm. Uh, Conversely, the Oath of Redemption sets the paladin on a path that could be seen as even more challenging, one that requires a holy warrior to use violence only as a last resort. Paladins who follow this oath believe that any person can be redeemed, and the path of benevolence and justice is one that anyone can walk. These paladins are sometimes collectively called redeemers. While idealistic, These paladins are no fools. They understand that undead, demons, devils, and other supernatural threats can be inherently evil. The oath of redemption is all about diplomacy though. The oath that you take uh, really is about understanding that peace takes patience and that people are not born evil. They're driven to it by their environment or some sort of manipulative dark forces. They see violence as a last resort, and not one made without carefully weighing the actions and understanding the consequences. Once that is the only recourse, however, they act swiftly and decisively. The oath spells that you gain are, as you might expect, rather uh, nonviolent, passive, even calming emotions, putting targets to sleep, and using powerful protective magics are all at your disposal. Uh, your channel divinity manifests in the features Emissary of Peace, And Rebuke the Violent, Uh, Emissary augments your presence with divine power, adding a plus five bonus to your persuasion checks for a pretty decent amount of time. Rebuke the Violent is used when an attacker deals damage to a creature other than you. You can use your reaction to force the attacker to make a saving throw. And if they fail, they take an equal amount of radiant damage to whatever damage they just dealt. Uh, If they succeed, they still take half damage. Uh, As a redemption paladin's powers grow, they gain an aura that allows them to take on the damage meant for someone else, healing powers that manifest when they are below half their hit points. And finally, they become, become an avatar of peace, gaining resistance to all damage dealt by other creatures and reflecting half the damage they take on the creature that struck them. However, a caveat to that is if if you are in this state and you attack a creature, cast a spell on it, or deal damage to it by any means other than this reflection, uh, the feature ends against that specific creature that you attacked.
1: Yeah. Um, so outside of these benefits for these specific oaths, um, later on... Uh, All paladins gain an extra attack at 5th level, um, an aura of protection that grants bonuses for you and uh, for your nearby creatures on saving throws. Uh, That happens at 6th. An aura that quells fear is at 10th. And at 11th, all of your melee attacks carry divine power in them. and That's uh, dealing an extra D8 radiant damage. Uh, At level 14, you can end a spell on yourself or one willing creature you touch and so can i just get on my little soapbox here for a moment about paladins in general sure I, so <laughs> we we've all heard the running joke about and like seeing the tropes of the holier than thou paladin i myself have had a few run-ins with these pretty early on in my tabletop experience leaving me with kind of an angry knee-jerk gut reaction to the mere mention of a paladin in party not my finest moments I'm working on it luckily for me and any other you know once bitten player um with you know the leftover animosity towards the old paladin what we've seen here with fifth edition um it has multiple backgrounds and oaths that offer more nuance and rp opportunities beyond you know follow my god or get fucked (laughs) um with the varied oaths uh, that we've talked about here um I guess really step one towards a pali that plays well with others is pretty universal. And we've kind of gone over it a couple of times here. The read the room, read the room
2: mm-hmm.
1: for the love of God and all that is holy. Read the room. <laughs> I feel it's pretty good. Basic, like a basic tenet for any role playing game. Um, but seriously, if you're like in a party of mercenaries and you're paladin that you've built is averse to lying, stealing, or killing outside of their holy war. Like, why are you even there? Conflict can be interesting. Contrarians are total fun sucks. Sort it out. And, you know, remember, like, unless you're in some hyper-specific homebrew, this is a polytheistic world. The gods are numerous and zesty. Have some fun with it. Uh, When building your paladin... Ask yourself, what sort of ideals and bonds would your character hold to? And then, what sort of deity would appreciate such a follower? I mean, for example, say you do want to be a super wholesome, kind warrior of good, rather than hopping straight to, like, justice and, you know, the classic lawful good, you know, big shots. Ask yourself, maybe, what would a paladin of like a god of beauty be like my best guess is actually they'd probably be like the queer eye boys but that's kind of jumping the gun here um so (laughs) I know I'm stepping on your stuff but I just we'll talk about pin um so not every god is super involved with the affairs of mortals not every paladin needs to be in the service of Tyr or um Moradin uh, so let's just allow ourselves some growth. Put the stereotype to bed. I mean, after doing the deep dive for this episode, I know I will actively be working on cutting our pals some slack and maybe I'll even play one one day. But it, me
0: it seems like it helps that for a while now, paladins have not been locked into only the lawful good alignment. Like mm-hmm. That seemed to create a lot of Opportunity from then on out.
1: It's true. Were
3: they
0: before? Yeah, up until like what? Fourth edition? Well, Did fourth even have alignments? Really?
4: Well, fourth edition didn't have... I don't think fourth edition had a paladin. Uh, There was a character class called the Avenger in fourth edition, but they didn't have a paladin class. Um, Weird. But I think in third edition they started to open it up. But, right. yeah.
0: And three thirds five also, or something. Thirds also, I think, the first time non-humans were allowed to be paladins. They yeah. also used to be a really They're- racist class the way they were originally written.
1: Yeah, I just... I mean, and I, again, I'm showing my age by going, Ugh, paladins, why? Ugh. And <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, like, dodging looking into this episode. Like... Greg did most of the legwork on it because I would just go, I don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Don't I, make me do this. I think
3: it's interesting that um, for 5th edition, the face of the paladin has been like in the player's handbook and in of uh, Balter's Gate. The, the paladin that you play in there is a half-orc. That's right. Which is not a race that I would have ever thought would be used for a paladin, so immediately... They, I, like, I can see what you're talking about where they're trying to change people's views on what paladins can be and are
0: yeah even in Pathfinder the paladin is always portrayed by a it's always been a black woman that's been the paladin hmm. in all the Pathfinder books and even in the Pathfinder comic she has a relationship with um, another she has a relationship in the comic for a little while with, a, with another woman who's a, a, like a cleric So like even Pathfinder was like, okay, Paladins are not always just goody, goody, like white dudes. That's always been kind of presented that way since like the red, you know, since like the red box up until third Mm -hmm. edition. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah. 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 Uh, And there, there are so many different like, uh, characters in pop culture that you could play as a Paladin that are so not like that one type. Um, And we can we can go into some of some of the ones that uh, we came up with. Uh, and, Done with and talk that. About them.
1: thank yeah. you.
4: So, for uh, Oath of Ancients Paladin, I mean, first thing that came to my mind was Captain Planet. Like, <laughs> get yourself, get yourself, uh, you know, a a Paladin Oath of Ancients Paladin, and like a handful of druids. Uh, There may be some sorcerers that all have rings and you got yourself a party
2: right there. (laughs) Wait, but in this example, wouldn't Captain Planet be the god that they are devoted to and then the, what are they called, the Planeteers? The
4: the Planeteers were, the Planeteers were given the rings by Gaia and and,
2: Gaia would still be. Oh, right, right. Captain
4: Planet is an avatar of, uh, of hers, a paladin of the earth.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, clerics for wouldn't Like, I would think. What's that? The, all, the, all the kids, they would be like clerics. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Druids and clerics. Nature clerics, druids, yeah. and and maybe Okay. A, yeah. Yeah. And maybe a sorcerer. Wheeler would be a sorcerer. Come on, guys. Let's yes. See. With <laughs> fire. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, sorry, I'm in my head. As soon as you said Captain Planet, all I can see are those YouTube. Um, episodes with Don Cheadle as Captain Planet. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, tree, oh my gosh. tree, 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 tree. Another
2: yeah. example that I saw for Oath of Ancients was Wonder Woman.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And they Wonder someone else Wonder also
2: listed her as Oath of Devotion, but oh. I think Ancients makes more sense for for her backstory.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah,
2: definitely. You could and,
1: sort of shoehorn into devotion, but I I really think she would thrive in Oath of Ancients.
2: <clears throat> for oath of devotion, uh, someone else had listed also Captain America, and I thought that that was a better fit.
4: Yeah, remember? yeah, I could see Captain America being uh, being a paladin for uh, for the oath of devotion. Um, I think
2: it's a bit of a stretch. I, I, think, I think, but
4: it's not too much of a stretch. No, I think Superman is more. A paladin uh, of devotion, though. If we're, uh, I, I feel like Captain America is more of a um, more of a, f- a fighter class, like mm-hmm. Battlemaster. But uh, sure. but definitely definitely close. That's you know,
2: the part where I was like, I think maybe paladin is a stretch for Captain America because he is more of a fighter. He's not necessarily a like last res- fighting as a last resort kind of guy. Superman, mm-hmm. I think, makes better is a better fit. I agree.
4: Yeah. Also, Oath of Devotion, Paladin, um, Sailor Moon.
2: Yes! I had that on my list as well. And and, and the, the entire, you know, All squadron sailors, of Senshi. Yeah. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. That one yeah. gets tricky, I mean, though, because, like, what are they devoted to, necessarily? The Scouts are devoted to and protect Sailor Moon slash the Princess, but... I think it's a little more nebulous to define what Sailor Moon is. Her de- where her devotion lies. Fighting in. evil
4: by moonlight, love. winning love by nope. daylight, never running <laughs> into a real fight. She's the one called Sailor Moon. She'll never turn her back on her friend. She's uh, always she's there. always there to defend.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: She's the one on whom we can depend. <laughs> that's that's honesty, compassion, duty, courage, honor. That's the oath of devotion, right there.
1: There it is. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I, I've just Someone else just schooled me on Sailor Moon
3: I know, damn <laughs> I'm glad I got to uh, I'm, I'm glad I was here to witness that
1: and thinking Ooh, I mean, about, You know how I mentioned the the, the Queer Eye boys um, Fab Five, I think that they would be Oath of Devotion
2: um, as well
4: Each, each <laughs> one personifying a different, uh, a yeah. different uh, they often it's,
2: That it's is precious and I love it I love it <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, for, uh, Oath of Vengeance, I thought, uh, uh, Judge Dredd, um, Punisher came to mind, uh, yeah. the Punisher, and, and, uh, maybe even, uh, Roland Desjane from the, the Dark Tower series, um, mm-hmm. those are both of Vengeance Paladins, um, Oath of Conquest, I had, uh, I, th- I thought Prince Zuko.
1: He's
4: could any <laughs> yeah that the be yeah yeah like season season one oh, uh yeah. prince zuko could be an oath of conquest paladin that uh maybe dips into like uh dips into a a you know maybe even a light cleric for fire stuff uh the, the the cleric of light it has a bunch of fire spells and is all about casting f- fire and light and stuff. So that that could be a cool uh, concept t- to lay over the oath of conquest. Also, uh, for your farscape fans, Aaron Sun, Aaron Sun from Aaron Sun from, uh, Aaron Soon from
3: uh, the Radiant Aaron Sun. Yes, right. <laughs> she
4: she is an oath of conquest paladin, and my. In my opinion
3: to begin with, yes, yes.
4: Yeah. Again, first first season,
1: yeah. yeah.
4: definitely. Um, for uh, Oath of Redemption, uh, I was th- I thought uh, the the characters that came to mind. Another one from uh, another one from Avatar: The Last Airbender, Uncle Iroh.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
4: Iroh's Iro could totally be an Oath of Redemption Paladin.
1: Yeah, uh, he didn't want to fight you, but if he has to, he's going to kick your ass in like two freaking boots. <laughs> yeah, And,
4: <kill> <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought Shepherd Book also would be a, a pretty good uh, could 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 that that character could translate well as an Oath of Redemption Paladin in D anD D.
1: Yeah, that one's really good because he is. There is clearly like some I need to redeem myself moments like from his past that like definitely inform where he's where he's going or where mm-hmm. he's going uh during the, the series. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a good one.
4: Well there we go. That's uh, do you guys have any thoughts on any uh, any characters uh, that would would fit any of these uh, these molds?
2: What a couple, of, oh, go ahead. I wouldn't I wouldn't know exactly which oath grouping to put them under, but I thought that these were really good examples. Is yeah. um, Thoros of Mir from the Game of Thrones series because uh, he's he's considered a cleric, I think, in like, within the world because uh, he's a priest to a particular mm. god uh or religion however he is also a warrior and then i think some people might actually kind of link beric Dondarian into that same uh category but Mm -hmm. he's not the one who has the magic he just benefits from thoros's you know god-given magic
4: yeah yeah, yeah. as a
2: warrior uh and
4: i like that
2: yeah and then the other one is um In the Dresden Files, there's this group of three uh, warriors called the Knights of the Cross. Mm -hmm. And they're literally like, they literally answer to God. And one of them is actually a, he was formerly a fallen angel or a demon or something like that. And so there is that sort of redemption uh, category that fits into that as well, because now he has gone from being an evil entity to someone who directly serves God. Cool. Cool. And they have magic swords. Nice.
4: <laughs> well, that could be. Yeah, that could definitely be Oath of Devotion as well. Um, uh, and and uh, possibly Oath of Redemption. Although, uh, are is is he are any of them kind of like we you know hands off? Don't don't fight. Let's talk first. Or are they all pretty much like we're here to kick ass?
2: Um. Yes, and no. They are, they're, the people that they go after are a specific set of bad guys, um, and both
4: of vengeance.
2: If those guys, if those bad guys, um, say that they re- re- recant and they, um, they swear that they're going to give up their demonic ways or whatever, then they are not supposed to kill them anymore. They sort of only okay. kill the guy if they have to. Redemption is actually not redemption, but like turning them. Uh, a mm. face turn mm. uh, is is sort of their goal, is like to get them to give up uh, their ties to to demons and evil.
4: Well, one of one of the specific tenets of the uh, te- uh, tenets of the vengeance paladin, the first one, in fact, the very first tenet is fight the greater evil. And in specific, it says, faced with a choice of fighting my sworn foes or combating a lesser evil, I choose the greater evil. So that could definitely be a, ven- a, gr- a group of vengeance paladins. And they're like, you know, do you denounce the the wicked ways that you walk? And if they're like, yeah, we do, great. All right, you're not my enemy anymore. Who's my Who's the bigger threat? You're just a stepping stone. And now that you're not, great we're we we're good, let's move on, yeah to the greater
2: that's, that, that's that, exactly it,
0: yeah, that made me think of like two characters that could actually follow the the path of vengeance and and one of them i because I just rewatched it, uh one of them, I feel like John Wick is definitely one of those,
4: oh yeah, you know he's got uh, a singular
0: yeah. purpose against one thing, and if you get in his way, he's gonna yeah. pop you, but if you like that scene outside the club in the first movie, you know, and mm-hmm. I guess once you take the night off, you know thank you, Mr. Wick, and the guy walks away. The other person I think of is uh l from El Mariachi and Desperado and all those movies
3: uh-huh.
0: because he's multiple times has given like you know your basic thug a chance to back off if they don't pull the gun. He's mm-hmm. even said he's like, "My fight's not with you, you know, don't pull it, and you know they always do and he kills them, but you know <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly it, yeah.
4: I'm um,
1: in so long. Time for another viewing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
4: that's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I would if you're interested in a paladin, like we, like I said, I just kind of gave a pretty g- general, like, hey, this is what this group is for, because each one has like f- at least four different tenants and they do a really good job of, of making those tenants uh, in each one kind of nuanced and kind of like multifaceted. So like, it's not, I don't know. It, it, it's, it allows you as a player to really play, you know, they're not so structured that's like, I can only play this character one way. It's, Varied enough that it's like okay, I I feel like my character would be, you know, um, following my path by going this direction, even if it's not like the first thing that would come to mind. I'm still, you know, you know, pres- you know like like uh, one of the tenets for the uh, oath of ancients is preserve your own light, delight in song and laughter, in beauty and art if you allow the light to die in your own heart, you can't preserve it in the world. It's like, you know, even though that's, like, the third one down, maybe that's the one that's most important for you. Uh, and that's the one that you're, like, going to always remember. That's the one that that is the strongest in your mind. Like, And then you have this paladin that's, like, looking to... Bring happiness and joy in the world, and like,
1: uh, bliss. <laughs>
4: yeah, follow your bliss. <laughs> you've got, you've got live, laugh, love. Uh, embossed I was on say, the armor. He prays my.
2: Yeah, he <eat> prays <laughs>
4: <Mike. laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. So, yeah. So yeah, the uh, the paladin. I I actually. Uh, I played I played uh, a paladin briefly in in a game that Ida ran, and he was uh, I had a lot of fun playing him. He was uh, his name Baltimore, and uh, he was a half orc, uh, paladin of luck, paladin of Timora, the goddess of luck, and being able to play a, a paladin for the luck goddess was was really fun and like yeah. Uh, I was looking to like, make sure people got lucky, you know, have a bit of luck, you know, let's, let's, let's play, play a hand of cards. Maybe I lose some, maybe I win some, this is fun. (laughs) You know, Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a way to play a paladin that I had never seen and that I, that I had a really fun experience doing it. And it also was a pretty fun experience for the rest of the party um, I think, because I wasn't being an asshole.
1: <laughs> I, I didn't have to take you aside and be like, fucking sort yourself out, man. Yeah. <laughs> it. No. yeah. no, it was, uh, I liked Baltimore.
0: Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah. Yay, well, thanks. That was awesome.
0: And then next wow. time, it's going to be nice the Bard. Like
4: next time, it's going to be the Bard and uh
0: um, yeah, I feel like we're going to get super wanky on that one.
4: Oh boy.
2: Oh
4: <laughs> boy. Chunk oh, chunk of this. Speaking of wanky. Uh did you uh did you see, see the un- unearthed arcana that came out for the lineages? Uh, yeah, you
0: mean like the both D&D? Yeah.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. super jazzed about that.
4: Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons just came out with the uh, uh, playtest material today for three different lineages uh, for gothic lineages they're called. So there's the the Dampier, the Hexblood, and the uh, reborn. Yeah. And each one is very much like a, a you know, half you got your half vampire, you got your like hag blood child, yeah. and then you've got your your Frankenstein's monster sort of Thing going on, uh, it's pretty you cool.
1: Smell the clove cigarettes coming off of it. I know.
4: I'm so <laughs> excited.
0: It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, I, I,
4: I, I, smell a, a domains of dread fifth edition book in our future.
0: I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. They've been really ramping that up, and I feel like the Strahd stuff sells very well for them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, either that or they're. Oh, I don't know, because. 4th edition had, was it the Shadowlands? Uh, Shadowfell. Shadowfell. So yeah. I wonder if they're gonna actually just going to create... Well, but it doesn't make any sense, though. Because it's not like they've been talking about like the green and the shadow all that much in like, core games. So.
4: No, but... They did have two... Uh, une- they, they had two subclasses that were super spooky for warlocks and sorcerers that didn't end up in Tasha's cauldron of everything, which means they were holding on to it for a different right. book. And now there's these spooky lineages. I'm, I'm feeling we're going to have some sort of, it might be a Shadowfell book. Um, you know, they're, they're coming out with the, uh, with the Candlekeep mysteries uh, here in a couple months. And, That's true. I'm
0: jazzed for that uh,
4: one. Yeah, and so it seems like the first book in the quarter of whenever they, of the of the new year is a kind of a, a book of more general stuff like the salt marsh adventures, the um, the uh, 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 yawning portal adventures, the conversions. Mm-hmm. The more general ones happen in March, and so they might have like a Shadowfell book. Or or it might be a domains of or it might be a domains of dread, uh, more specific. Um,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I
4: don't know. I'm I just know the, here.
3: Uh, I was going to say, I know the next book that's coming out is the Candlekeep Keep Mysteries.
4: Yeah, yeah, and that that one is, you know, uh, seventeen, uh, you know, roughly uh, seventeen inter, uh, unconnected short adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like uh, the other, so so we might see something like a like a kind of maybe an in, interconnected planes book or a mm. or, or a Shadowfell mm. specific book come next year. I don't know.
0: Right. I know that when they did the Curtis Estrada revamped, they really added in addition to like the changes they made to make it more inclusive. I noticed a lot more kind of sidebar and um just yeah kind of sidebar references to other places in in ravenloft really yeah like they mention characters that are like wait that was from like you know the islands of terror book like they're 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 definitely like expanding it and it all can't all be in fucking barovia yeah like there's mention of like you know that you know the castle in this place called forlorn that you can that legend says you can see and there's more mentions of oslin there's more mentions of like griffin hill like and they're not like flat out mentioned like they're not saying the words all the time but if you know the demi like like my nerdy ass does i'm like wait a minute that's a that's a reference to like mordenkine like all right yeah uh mordenheim and stuff like that i'm like oh all right maybe you guys have something planned
4: or you just well, want yeah, to like, put a yeah. lot of
0: crunch in you know or fluff or whatever i don't know
4: because like like, in in, uh, in Tasha's, there's, you know, a picture of, oh, uh, this is, t- you know, the oh, lighting's Oslin. not great, but that's Oslin, and he's yeah. in Domains of Dread. And so, like, they're dropping hints, they're making references. I feel like, like, come 2022, or maybe late 2021, we might see some sort of, uh you know, Domains of Dread book that happens. Or- I mean...
0: It does make up, sense because fifth edition is doing so well. I don't see like a new edition or even a 0.5 in the immediate. No. Future. Like why mm-hmm. mess with it? So, um, you know, they're not going to, you know, and, and it's not like the core books ever not sell, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which I'm sure uh, Cable can attest to that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, yeah. Um,
3: we keep them in stock at all times.
0: Yeah, even right. I remember when I ran a Tifa, Like I always made sure, like I talked to other manager too. I was like, seriously, treat you know treat the four core books the same way we treat like graphic novel other greens. Never be out of, pr- never not have Watchmen on the shelf. Never not have a Player's Handbook. Like there are just books that you don't ever want to be out of stock on, like mm-hmm. ever. You know the kind of evergreens.
4: Yeah, yeah. Um. Another another little bit of uh fun. Uh, role-playing news uh, that just came out today. Uh, there's um, a, a, a you might know um, the War Machine minigame uh, cable. Mm-hmm. Wait, the, the, miniature, uh, game? So the miniature game by Privateer Press. Yeah, yeah, by Privateer Press. Uh, mm-hmm. They're they're just up up in up in Woodinville, Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, in third edition, when 3.5 was out they made a core book called Iron Kingdoms.
0: So the core, that was actually before the miniatures game. Yeah. 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 Iron Kingdoms was okay. first. I fucking yeah. loved that book.
4: Right. Well.
1: Fantastic. Uh,
4: yeah. They are uh, making uh, a conversion to fifth edition and, <sighs> and bringing it up. It's, it's live on Kickstarter right now.
0: That's um, cool.
4: Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I love, that was actually what I cut my teeth on. I played, I played d and a little bit and then I found Iron Kingdoms and was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. And, uh, like and we played God, it for a while.
0: Elven God, like frozen in ice. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite uh, monsters ever is from there, the Iron Lich. I still have that mini. It's one of the first minis I ever painted. Cool. It's so cool.
4: <laughs> I love, I love, I love, uh, the Bodger class, like... They had they, they mixed magic with machinery and mechanica and stuff it was so cool really unique setting it's coming back they they've, they've made a conversion you can you can still get in it just happened today and they've got like an early bird like uh, get three books and an adventure for and a game screen for like a hundred bucks wow, uh, that's, that's still cool. that's still happening until tomorrow so first it's 48 right. hours it's
1: fully funded
4: yeah it's whole it, it, it's fully funded it it's funded in the first hour but um
3: it is currently sitting at 16 days to go with over 2,000 backers and they have they're at double the amount that they were um their goal was that's cool
1: yeah i'm not sure if you're picking up the occasional buzz from my phone but um each one of them has been a uh, an email notification going. We've passed this stretch goal. We've oh. passed this stretch goal. We've oh, passed. Oh wow! Yeah. Goal. yeah.
4: So
0: oh, man, this one's going to be in color. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know, it. I, I put I put the game aside because a few years back, Iron Kingdoms uh, Privateer Press made their own game. I think this was about. About the time that fifth edition happened, or it might have been during fourth edition, actually,
0: fourth I think it was
4: during fourth. Mm-hmm. They were like, "All right, we've got our own game. We're not we're not going to use you know third edition anymore, uh, but they're, we're, we're not going to go with with how D is doing in fourth edition. So we've got our own system, and it was different, and it was very clearly." made for like as an as a gateway to get into their war machine game. Yeah. And that wasn't what I was interested in, so like I picked it up and we played like a a, a couple games but it it didn't it didn't feel right Did, like measuring things in inches and shit and I was like, "Ah, this no, 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 don't like this." So, um I was super excited to see that they're converting their game to 5th edition and they're, you know, moving the storyline up. So it is kind of concurrent with what's happened in the Oh, really? War. Yeah.
0: That's cool. Because, yeah, when that game first came out, I actually ran players through the, um, oh, gosh, dang it. Um, the Witchfire? I, I ran them through the Witchfire trilogy.
4: Yeah, me <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. I love and that.
0: I fucking love that character. She's amazing. Alexia? She,
4: Alexa is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know you knew about this. Uh we new 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 thing to nerd out about. Castlevania yeah. and Iron Kingdoms. Great. I love it.
0: Man.
1: <laughs> I forgot about her for a moment, but it's all coming back to me now how mad I am at her.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, um man for hundred everything. There's, mm-hmm. there's yeah. a new Witchfire book too. Cool.
0: Yeah. Nice. Another RPG I'll probably rarely get to play, but I'm probably still gonna <laughs> back it.
1: Oh well, Greg back, maybe he'll run a game for us.
4: What level did you yeah. back it at? I, I, I did the the um Early Bird. Early bird.
1: So all the books.
0: Yeah. Oh so you got the... all right. I can still do that yeah, with a hundred.
4: It still mm-hmm.
0: isn't bad. That's still three. It's not bad at all. Oh wait, no, yeah. it's still there. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it's it's still available for another like 24 hours. So
0: you did that one too? All right, all right we gotta, probably can't, probably shouldn't discuss this on the show. Like, where did you buy, Greg? Where did you do?
4: <laughs> the
0: early
3: bird ple- uh, special pledge has 52 hours to go left. Right.
4: Yeah, 52 hours. All right. Oh, cool. So I thought it was only 48 hours. They must have extended it.
3: Clearly. Yeah, I was
4: I was I was sitting next to the my my phone at, at 10, 10 in the morning being like, alright, all right, when's it gonna it's gonna go live <laughs> at 10, hold on hold on So I was I was very excited to, awesome. to, to support it yeah um, for those of you not in the know uh, the Iron Kingdoms is called as much because uh, it's kind of like if the, D, if the D&D world hit an industrial revolution and so there's like steampunk and magic punk so you've got like steam powered constructs that have like magically augmented uh cortexes and you can be a uh, you can be a a you know a, a war warcaster that uh you know commands these these magical mechs uh yeah. and all sorts of cool stuff the world's really neat i also like the
2: new that season I... of disenchanted Oh, kind of, yeah, kind
0: of. It has the, the mystical gunslingers. Mm-hmm. Um,
4: yeah, gun mages.
0: Gun mages. Yeah. Oh, it's so sexy. I don't think, and I remember it's-, it's, the only, it's the first time I'd ever seen this in a game before, and it blew my mind was that if you were a, a healer or a cleric, and if you healed someone that was like of an opposing religion, like, your god would let... They're like, fine, you can heal them, but it's going to come out of you because how dare you waste my magics on someone who's clearly an enemy of us. So you'd have to make the choice of, like, fuck, this prisoner's going to die. This is going to suck, you know. Mm-hmm. It was neat how they did stuff like that. The gods yeah, were it, very it was, active was, in was, that realm.
4: <laughs> yeah, it was very much like, yeah, oh, you're, you are you know, it would be like if, if an elf, you know, that was, you know, worshipping Corellian uh, was... Uh, helping a, a, you know, a, a, an orc that worshipped Grumpsh, and Corellian and Grumpsh are like totally at odds with each other in this world. Yeah, it would it would come from you and yeah, uh, yeah. It was it, it was neat to have have that kind of uh, aspect.
0: Yeah, nothing like playing on a train heist. We have to defend against a dragon. Also, it's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, this seems like the perfect time to take a break and thank our sponsors. First up, Guardian Games. Find them over at 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. If some of the games that we just talked about there on building characters sound interesting to you, they are going to have them at Guardian Games. Uh, You can also pre-order the Mysteries at Candle Keep if you want to do some fun little investigative D&D one-shots there. Um, but if you're not into role-playing games, they have all the games you might possibly ever want or need or try and all that good stuff. From card games and dice games to board games, uh, cooperative. I mean, really, there is a huge selection of game styles and Guardian Games going to have all of them. They also have the supplies you need for gaming. And you're like, oh, that's what you need supplies for. You get the books and the box and you're all set to go. I'm like, oh, you think that. But eventually, you're going to feel... You're going to feel the call of special card cases and dice bags and backpacks that only hold your miniatures. And you you think you're not going to do it. You're going to do it. And Guardian Games has your hookup there. So check them out. Guardian Games 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. When you're there, thank them for being a sponsor of Geek in the City Radio. It really means a lot and it goes a long way when our sponsors hear from you. Like our other sponsor, Bridge City Comics. (laughs) Uh, Find them over at 3725 North Mississippi Avenue in Portland, Oregon. Um, You're going to hear the end of the show. We've got some guests coming on in February that you're going to probably want to catch up with their comics. So do that over at Bridge City Comics. They're going to have all the books that we're talking about or we're going to talk about if they don't have them, either that means they're not out yet and you can pre-order it, which is a whole nother thing you can do there, especially if you set up a subscription box. So go over there, go to Bridge City Comics, thank them for sponsoring the show, set up a subscription box, and give uh, Ring a virtual hug. Don't actually touch them. You, just no touching anyone anymore, ever, forever. We're all now just rogue from the X-Men, having to wear gloves and... Not touching, except then we'll absorb COVID instead of their powers. So it's a horrible mutant skill. There it is. (laughs) Prince City Comics, 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. And of course, a huge shout out to Revnat of Revnat's Hard Cider for hooking us up with the nice equipment. So the show still sounds clean and crisp while we record in other homes on completely different sides of the city. Revnat of Revnat's Hard Cider, the official lubricant of the COVID pandemic. (laughs) Um, And really quick, before we get back to it, I just want to give a shout out to Anton and Dev over in uh, Asylum, facebook.com forward slash PDX Asylum. They are still open a couple days a week for very limited and curated shopping. So if you need to, if you're stuck in your house for a long time and you're like, oh, I can't stand to look at this anymore, but I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can. You can update your interior design at Asylum. So check them out. Let's get back to the show. Well, should we dive into episode three of WandaVision? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay. Are you too caught up or are you? We are. Okay. Right on. All right. Take it away, Bean.
2: So this week's episode uh, of WandaVision, uh, episode three, Now in Color, uh, starts off with Wanda uh, and Viz in their living room. It basically picks up right where the last episode left off, or it might be like the next morning, but it's been a very, very short amount of time since the end of the last episode where they realize that Wanda is suddenly very pregnant. Uh, And so she continues to be at the beginning of this episode. And they go fetch a doctor who says... Uh, you're about four months along, so I'm going to go take my vacation now, and I'll see you later. Um, But Vision tries to do the math. Uh, There's a joke about how, like, it's going to take, by the time you figure out the math on how quickly this baby will be born, um, the baby will be born. Uh, Because it's obviously like a very accelerated, magical pregnancy. Uh, So Vision decides he's going to go run, oh, I think her water break. The her, which is um signified by uh, it suddenly rains, it starts pouring rain inside that house. Um, mm-hmm. which is by itself a little bit tropey, but um, this episode is um, sort of the Brady Bunch slash Partridge Family themed episode that's sort of like early to mid 60s vibe. Um, So I think that in my recollection, that was still a time an era in TV where we didn't really do a lot of talking about women's pregnancy. Uh, And yet somehow it still felt kind of tropey that rather than like showing or just saying her water broke, it's just going to start pouring right inside the house. Uh, But for that reason, they realize, okay, it's, it's basically time for the baby to come now. Vision runs off to go get the doctor literally
3: Um, literally runs off
2: yes he yeah he just like zooms off um Mm -hmm. and this is just this is just the beginning of the craziness that starts to happen uh so now wanda's home alone just ready to pop um and as her contractions start coming uh more uh more magic happens basically every contraction is met with uh random acts of magic like a stork they had painted a stork on the side of the nursery room that they were preparing and uh it comes to life and just comes up off the wall and is like wandering around the house uh and then uh in the midst of all this geraldine stops by Uh, and she's there to sort of chit chat she's telling this really very era Era appropriate story about um, how she got herself a, a promotion at work by by being sassy. It has this like very you go girl vibes to it, um, keeping up with that sort of like sixties vibe. Uh, eventually, uh, Wanda's wa- um, her contractions escalate, and she's she's a it's about time for the baby to come, uh, which is. Also signified by magic when all of the pipes in the house burst simultaneously. And now the house is like pretty much flooding. Uh, and, and that's when vision gets back with, uh, with the doctor who he carried on his back and ran back from the doctor's house to their house. Um, but they're actually a little bit too late. The baby uh, has just been born. Uh, they name him Tommy which is what Wanda had wanted. There'd been some back and forth about that. And then uh, all of a sudden she starts having another contraction and turns out it, turns out it's twins. They end up being two boys. Uh, and then of course that uh, gives segue to Wanda mentioning that she's a twin and she mentions her brother Pietro. I don't remember what his super person name is.
3: Quicksilver.
2: Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, And then this is when – this is the time in this episode where things get to take that, like, weird, slightly dark turn. So she mentions her brother to uh, Geraldine, and Geraldine says – oh, my God. Where did it go? Wasn't he killed by Ultron? Or, like, he was killed by Ultron, right? Which is part of um, Age of Ultron? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) I don't remember. Uh, and, and now Wanda's kind of freaked out, like, why would you know that? Or why would you ask that? And that's when she realizes as well as me for the first time, I didn't get a chance to rewatch this episode to know if it was there all Mm -hmm. along, but Geraldine's got this necklace on and it's actually the sword logo, which we've seen in some of the other ads, uh, throughout the series so far. Uh, and she, so she notices that she kind of freaks out and basically ejects geraldine from the house magically um vision after having a conversation with the doctor uh which was also a little bit weird he's getting ready to he's like wishing the doctor well and hoping he still has a chance to have a good vacation and the doctor's like yeah i don't think we're gonna leave town after all small Mm -hmm. towns hard to escape a little bit more um Foreshadowing there, yeah uh, or maybe not foreshadowing, but it's just another one of those. Oh, and the neighbors. Um, earlier in the episode, Vision uh, chit chats with the neighbors, and they're at, they're talk They're acting a little bit weird, almost like robots who sort of got off track and are doing their thing, but just just a little off of, from what it's supposed to be. I wish I had a better example, but. They're just being, a, like, just like, that, not totally there mentally, but they don't even realize that what they're doing is weird. Um, but that one is a little bit more in passing. Uh, after Vision uh, says his goodbye to the doctor, the neighbors are out there again. And um, previously, the neighbor next door was trimming his hedges. Now he's out there with the hedge trimmer, but he's, like, sawing away at the concrete fence, the, the concrete wall that divides their two properties. Just, right. just acting like that's what you do with your hedge clippers. Um, and then um, the other neighbor, Wanda's other friend whose name I can't remember now, the character or the actress. Um,
3: Catherine Hahn is the actress. It, thank Catherine you. Gerard.
2: thank you, Catherine Hahn, uh, she sort of starts gossiping about Geraldine and how she's kind of weird and um, like she just Agnes, she's new in town. Agnes. Thank you. So Agnes is like yeah she's just new in town. She doesn't she doesn't she doesn't have family. She doesn't have a house. Um just weird stuff that probably wouldn't be real if you lived in that town in this idyllic little community. Um and I don't as if I recall vision doesn't super look into this much. I I think he notices that it's weird, but then, you know, Catherine Hahn is just like, oh, okay, well, I'm leaving now. Again, they just sort of, like, don't realize that they're being weird. It's like it's happening outside of their control or knowledge, and then they just continue to act like things are normal. So she's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I gotta make dinner or some shit. Uh, Vision goes back inside, notices Geraldine is missing, and um, Wanda's like, oh, yeah, yeah, she had to, she had to go. She she had somewhere to be... Uh, and then we cut to the final scene in the episode where Geraldine lands essentially, what we see is just outside of this fantasy bubble that is Wanda and vision's version of Westview and now it's the 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 camera goes back to like a more modern ratio aspect ratio. The coloring uh, moves into modern uh you know coloring and hd quality and uh she lands on the ground but she seems okay and then a bunch of like military or like you know secret government agency cars storm in and um and go to go to pick her up and i guess probably debrief her on what what happened inside the bubble
0: yeah cuz i think they're all sword troops mhm uh-huh. which makes me actually think right. More and more, I think everything is a construct that Wanda has made, and they're trying to like maybe safer get her safely get her out of it before she you know wipes out the world
3: that seems to be the prevailing fan theory yeah. it? Mm-hmm. and there has been an interview with Elizabeth Olson where she talks about she basically said it's like i i don't it's like I can't give too much away but I don't think that you are going to think that Wanda is the hero of this particular story. Yeah. Um, And that certainly seems to be the way that uh, the story seems to be progressing, that no one is doing this to Wanda. Wanda is doing it to herself.
0: Yeah, and I'm guessing the twins are going to lead. I kind of think these twins are going to not be a figment anymore. I think they're going to somehow... I don't know, because she's going to blow up on the multiverse or whatever anyway. Mm -hmm. Um because they've also hinted that they are planning a Young Avengers story.
3: Um
0: because the villain in I forgot which movie is coming up is Kang. Um Kang the Conqueror, and that's one of the Young Avengers' primary baddies. Um so that gives us, yeah, Wiccan and Speed as the as the twins. So Mm -hmm. yeah.
4: I'm I'm really w- interested in you know what's going on with with the neighbors because in that con- in that conversation uh, between Agnes and Herb, uh, like Herb was going to say something to Vision, like you know everybody here is, and Agnes kept being like don't don't do it, don't say
3: right.
4: it. Mm-hmm. He, he ended up not finishing his sentence and instead just being like, well, great chatting with you. Gotta go. Uh, but like, yeah. Oh, what are they? Are they really quick?
0: Uh, Kang is the villain in the third Ant Man movie. Oh. Uh, okay. Reportedly being played by Jonathan Majors, who is the lead in Lovecraft Country, was the was the guy, the lead male oh. in Lovecraft Country. Wow.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Cable. I I know that you had intimated or referenced that that particular fan theory last week when we talked about this, and I was like, <laughs> that's right, but definitely as more things are revealed or a little bit more understanding of what's going on starts to develop. um, I I think, yeah, that, that does seem to be where this is heading is, is it is Wanda doing this, but that doesn't make it a good thing. And yeah. Yeah. When, when, when they show that that one particular clip about like, you know, like, well, this is our home and aren't we going to fight for it? that's definitely being portrayed as a like a heroic like we need to say you know protect our community whatever but but once you like wrap up wrap it up into the idea that like this is her own construct that Mm -hmm. she's trying to enforce um yeah she would no longer be the hero in that fight
3: No. essentially, it feels like that this was her replacement for going to therapy to deal with the trauma of losing vision. Right. Mm. Um, I'm going to make this observation real quick. The doctor kept bugging me. I kept looking at him going, why do I know who this is? Why do I? It's Degra. Oh right. From the Zindi in the third season of oh, Enterprise. Shit. Yeah. He is the creator <laughs> of Weapon Zero. Yeah. Well,
0: that's
3: and funny. and was the lead scientist on the attack on Earth.
0: <laughs> right.
3: Mm-hmm. Just I I misidentified him at first as Doug Bradley. I'm like, is that Pinhead? No. No, that, that can't be. Mm-mm. Merrick's like, I I think he's dead. It's so it's not him. <laughs> Um, and if it is, then this show got really weird.
4: <laughs> but, but, yeah,
3: it's, it's Degra. I'm like, oh, like that's why I think Degra was one of is to this date, uh, Doug Oglesby is the actor. He's done a lot of, um, small bit parts in television for 20, 30 years. And I think Degra was his biggest reoccurring role, which is why I, I recognized him. I'm like, I just could place him.
2: I'm curious if there is any sort of um, Easter egg or, or like comic book relevance to the names that they decided to go with for these babies, which is Tommy and Billy.
0: That's the name of her kids in the comic. Yeah. Okay. Or so Tommy, and William. Tommy and William.
2: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I was thinking maybe something like other characters that I just wasn't aware of or, or remembering at the time.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, or
2: Her contemporaries. Right. I didn't know that she had had kids in another Mm -hmm. format. Uh, I,
3: I do think it's interesting that while we were very aware of Shield, or not Shield, but Sword, and their involvement of trying to do whatever they're trying to do, there are still plenty of references to AIM being somehow If not involved, they are a competing entity trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. The beekeeper with the hexagon grids, like in the opening theme, all those hexes, it's like, oh yeah, that's 100% aim. So, and then all of the ads are still Hydra related. Yeah. So,
2: yes. This week's, Uh, commercial was for Hydra Batsoak in the style of Calgon take me away Uh and I'm actually pulling up the visual I recognize the concept but I've never actually seen a Calgon take me away commercial (laughs) I just pulled it up even the visuals are like almost an exact replica Yeah, Yeah. so that was fun
3: this is how successful the um, ad campaign was I recognized it immediately because all I saw were Calgon commercials as a kid (laughs)
2: And right. I've never seen one, and I still know it. Yep. So that's that's effective marketing, y'all.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: For better or for worse.
0: <laughs> but this episode is really the one that seems to have kind of really ramped up the mystery. Mm-hmm. Which makes mm-hmm. it would explain. I actually heard a lot of critics when they reviewed, like, the early release of the show. Disney sent three episodes oh. to a lot of, lot of like, you know, major media, uh, you know, film critics and stuff like that. They were given the first three episodes. And now having seen it, that makes some sense why they would do that for the review, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I guess the one thing I'm not super clear on is if if Westview is all uh, a construct that Wanda has established for, you know, for as a coping mechanism, why is S.W.O.R.D. A, a such a relevant part so not
1: shield.
2: Oh wait, right. They're not bad guys necessarily. No.
0: No, but they are the strike first before we can be hit.
2: Cool, cool. Yeah. So they're they're probably her um
4: I not thought, guardians.
2: Because they're probably like in a custodial manner at this point.
4: Well, I thought uh sword was uh dealt more with extra planar. or Problem and shield was more on earth, so I was surprised to see sword instead of shield doing stuff here. Um, but uh, something else when when uh, when she got spat out, I I may be incorrect, but I thought I saw a west, uh, a sign for uh, Westview, Westview
3: outside of the bubble. You are correct.
4: So.
2: I don't remember what that billboard or that sign said though.
3: It's it said Westview. Yeah. Anything else though? I, I think it said City of Westview. I think she's actually taken hold and is holding an entire town hostage mm-hmm. and is playing out these fantasies.
2: And that explains why the Characters act weird because they are they are real people, Mm -hmm. but they are sort of being controlled by something else.
3: Uh Yeah, or at least acting in the roles that they are aware of. mm -hmm.
4: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Like, everyone in Westview might be dead, and this is just like
2: Geraldine was alive.
3: Geraldine isn't part of the isn't part of the, the fantasy.
2: Right? right. She doesn't live there, she doesn't have a right. house there. I think she wouldn't have even implied that she didn't have a job, which would but that would directly contradict what Geraldine was saying. Not that that's impossible. Right. It, okay. It's, <clears throat>
3: it's the awareness of the players in Truman Show where everyone knows they are playing a specific role. Um, and they cannot break character around lead Mm-mm.
2: Like, so you think that they know
3: yeah and they're trying to keep themselves alive I think that like the, the whole thing with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hart at the, at the dinner party that was, her, that was a woman genuinely pleading
2: mm-hmm.
3: to not let this person die because it is still a real person
2: but without breaking character
3: yes because they can't because that would make it worse right it's the i'm i'm it's like i have to keep this person from dying i have to do it this way otherwise if i do it the other way then we all die
2: okay and i very much look at it as like basically they're acting out these characters against their will and maybe mm-hmm. only barely with their knowledge
0: right yeah, yeah.
3: i Sorry. Go ahead.
0: No, I'm just saying. I'm trying to. It's, this is as much as I like. I enjoy speculating, like where it's going to go next. Part of me just kind of wants to be surprised, also. You know, instead of trying <laughs> to figure it out. But normally, <laughs> I love to try to figure it out, but this one, I'm just kind of enjoying the ride.
3: Right. I yeah. think that's the best part. Is I I don't know where they're going to go. Right. I do know that uh, Merrick said that she heard an interview with, uh, or read an interview with uh, Kevin Smith. I guess he was talking about it on Fat Man Beyond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he described that sec- that scene between Geraldine and Wanda, the whole, wasn't Pietro killed by Ultron? That right. entire scene, he's like, that was the best writing, the best acting. I, it's like, that that entire scene was so good, I'm mad that I didn't write it. I'm mad that I didn't film it. It is worthy of an Emmy on multiple levels. It was perfect.
0: Yeah, there's a lot going on in that scene. Mm -hmm. And it's a scene he could have shot because it's just two people talking in front of a camera.
3: (laughs) That's why he's mad. He he didn't do it.
0: Yeah. It's
3: like, ah, this is so good. I wish I had done it. Yeah, I'm
2: disappointed sure. that I didn't have an, a chance or get around to, I guess, watching this a second time so that I could have spent more, more of my thoughts on it versus like just observing it.
0: Right. Um,
2: mm-hmm. I think I think I still will just to like really let it sink in because like, right just now I'm trying to think I'm trying to visualize that scene and I'm like, is that the best scene? Definitely in the episode, but the series. I don't know. It's so, a tense scene mm-hmm. it
3: really is. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: I really really appreciated um the like from a storytelling perspective, this the di- the di- the dinner party scene.
3: Mhm.
2: And that one gets that one gets pretty pretty dark and tense. Mm-hmm. So that's in in my mind that's like the biggest contender, but I would ne- definitely need to like review the material more before I before I commit to a decision on that.
0: Looking forward to Friday. And then I loved all the I loved all like the bullshit clickbait comic book websites that were like, Did Disney drop a major hint by suggesting you watch Age of Ultron after RondaVision episode three? And I'm like
2: what automated.
0: Well and also it's not well, I mean, but also yes, it was clearly programmed because there's this if they mention her brother being killed by Ultron Maybe you should rewatch Age of Ultron to kind of have a ref I was like guys, quit trying- <laughs> Yeah. Well
2: Um I yeah. like the clickbait one that says um that Agnes's rabbit is the key to everything in the in the series. No.
0: Um, yeah. no.
2: and no. also that they've given it away that uh Doctor Strange is the one doing all of this? Like like something happened in episode three that flat out tells the viewer.
0: I don't think so. Nope. I still think they're going to surprise us with a cameo from him mm-hmm. before the series is over. But yeah, that would be fun. It would be. I'd like to see. That. Right.
2: I'm. I'm not really uh, invested uh, in any way in these characters, like in the in the long term sense. So I'm fine with whatever. Like do do whatever you think is best, as long as it's good storytelling.
0: I'm a fan of anything that just blows up and makes a multiverse. That's probably the old DC fan of me saying, like, let's have universes everywhere. What if eventually (laughs) we go to Captain America where he's a werewolf? Because it happened. (laughs) And it was righteous.
2: But Oh, but if I create a flashpoint, now it's a problem.
0: Wait, you personally? (laughs) Oh, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, but you weren't supposed to know that. The you of Earth 2 is the one who knows that. The problem is when you found out too soon,
2: mm, gotcha that was okay. the problem. yeah fine, whatever
0: uh, well, Greg Ida, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for
4: having us. Uh,
0: I think also we can announce a lot of guests for February now.
2: Oh we, yeah, let me pull have, that up real quick.
0: F- well, three shows with guests, but technically four guests, so um yeah.
2: All right, starting with uh, week one of February, we are going to be interviewing Andrew Constant and Nicholas Scott on their new uh, release of Nightwing. From yeah, the... part of the
0: future, uh, future State or Future Sense? Future State. Future, future state. State. state, thank the you. The event, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it'll be, it'll be Nicholas' second time on the show.
2: Yeah, very exciting. This will be the first
0: time we were able to track down Andrew. So that'll be, and we've all, we've never had like a writer artist team.
2: Yeah, at the same time.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't remember. We've had a single person that does both, but I don't think we've ever had the writer and the artist. Yeah, we have. On. We have?
2: Um, Montenegro and Guishan uh-huh. uh-huh. Liu. Uh-huh.
0: That's right. Oops. Well, I screwed that up then this will be our second time
2: that's okay i'm sure it's fine yeah. um this I, is our if,
0: first mainstream comic
3: uh,
2: art, mm-hmm.
0: writer artist yeah.
2: good from saying. the big from yeah. one of the big three
0: yeah yeah
2: big two i don't
0: know that uh, you know what? i figure you count image now i say big three they still just cool. say big cool. two but
2: yeah uh and then if i'm looking at this correctly or if i haven't missed any updates we're not we don't have any guests on second week correct but uh, third week of February, uh, Keith Baker and Jen Ellis, Ellis uh, the two of Together Studios, are going mm-hmm. to be joining us to talk about their new game revolving Adven- around...
3: Adventure Zone.
2: Yes.
3: Uh, based, yeah, it's a game based on the very popular podcast.
2: And wow. I believe that's going to be like a uh, tabletop RPG style, correct?
3: It, it is... It- not exactly. It's a tabletop box game. Right?
2: Box? Okay. I should probably learn more about that before then. Yep.
0: And also, this, I believe, will be the third time Keith's popped on the show, mm-hmm.
2: I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm, at least. Yeah. And then in the final week of February, we're going to be joined by Sam Swords. Can uh, yeah. you huh? elaborate on that one, Aaron?
0: Yeah. So a lot of folks probably know him from when I did or wrote uh, the one shot uh dark anna and the pirates of kadath um sam swords was the physical inspiration for the for the captain of the ship and even sent us notes about how different fighting styles would be with axes versus cutlasses and um yeah and i had been following their work for ever ever since i did you know wrote the the dark anna comic they also did um leather and prop work for Weta. They've done some stuff uh-huh. for Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and The Chronicles of Narnia. They also teach uh, medieval combat um, and are just an all-around pretty cool person that I've wanted to get on the show for a while. But, you know, they live on the other side of the world, so it's tricky. Um, yeah, so it'll be, you know, that's that's kind of the ones that I'm just, you know, that's a personal one. Like, I've always wanted to get them on the show and now I finally pulled it off. Yeah. So. Super. The
2: thing about have, hosting your own show is you can get whatever, you can get whoever you want.
0: That's true. Um, yeah. So that's our February lineup. Who knows? We might sneak in that one for that second week. We don't know yet. But that's still a pretty packed month. Pretty packed February. Oh. For my birthday month.
2: <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> that's our <laughs> gift to you. Yay! Oh,
0: <laughs> can we all get vaccines? As my real gift. That would be awesome. Uh, you know,
2: if I if I could make that happen for you, I would. Sweet,
0: just. But food. I don't
2: have that power. Finish nope. this. Finish him.
0: Well, with I that, i learned <laughs> you know, Aaron Duran. That
2: treat crumbs off my keyboard. I'm Vina Rita.
3: <laughs> and I'm Cable Hashitani.
0: Thanks, everybody. We'll see you all next week.